How many of you came to celebrate this morning? Some of you, that kind of bound your spirit maybe, but we'll try to get it loose here in a minute. One thing we need to understand is, is that Jesus Christ came so that you and I could celebrate, so that we could move into the joy and the full, fullness that He has for us in every area of life. And so we've been talking in this subject about coming home over the past few weeks, and I'm going to continue that today. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Luke, the 15th chapter, and actually today we're going to talk about celebrating as you go there. Let me say hello to our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm thankful today for what God is doing throughout Love and Truth Church. No matter the location, we continually hear good reports of what God is up to, and I'm glad you're there today. As you join with us corporately, we believe that God has a special word for each of us today as we go into His Word. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been talking on this subject of coming home. And uh, let me just kind of bring everybody up to speed. We're using the story there in the book of Luke, the 15th chapter, of the lost son. It's a story about a, a young son who comes to his father, and he says to him, I want my inheritance. Now, if that was most dads, he'd say, well, I'm still alive, and you're not getting it. Uh, but in this story, the Bible says, Jesus telling the story there, said that his father gave him his inheritance. And the Scripture says that he went into a far country, and he wasted all of his money on wild living. He, he just partied. I mean, he showed up, and he had the money, and he had the Bentley, and he had the party time, and everybody wanted to hang with him. And wherever he went, he had a crew with him, and he was enjoying life until the recession hit. All of a sudden, the party time is over, and the Word of God says that all his money's gone. And how many of you know usually when all your money's gone, all your friends are gone too, right? And so all of a sudden, he looks up, and he who used to be the party guy and everybody wanted to hang with him, all of a sudden, there is nobody anywhere around him. And the Bible says that he becomes so destitute, he becomes in such a horrible place of his life, that as a good Jewish boy, he wasn't even supposed to be around pigs, but he finds himself feeding pigs for a living. And the Scripture says that he was so hungry that he looked at what the pigs were eating and he desired the food that the pigs were eating. Now, I want to tell you something. I've been hungry a few times. I've never been that hungry. I've fasted a few times, not many but a few. I've never been on a fast where I was so hungry that I thought what the pigs had looked good. This boy was desperate. But the Bible says that he came to himself and he said, the servants in my father's house have it better. They have plenty and here I am starving to death. And the scripture says that he said to himself, I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the Bible says that as he is going, that his father sees him as he's coming home, and his father runs and embraces him. And as he does, the son begins to make this confession. Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I'm no, worthy, no longer worthy to be called your son. He's going through all of this. And, and the father just basically says, be quiet. Because I've got what you need. 
Now, that's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. We talked the first week about coming home, that in our lives that we've got to wake up. There's got to come that moment where you wake up and go, this is not where I'm supposed to be. There's a place that is much better that I can go to. The second aspect was to find out that when you come into the Father's house, that you are going to be taken care of, that you are going to be blessed, that your Father, the Scripture says there uh, in the Word of God in the 22nd verse, that the Father said, quick, bring a robe. In fact, He said, bring the best robe. He said, put a ring on His finger and put shoes on His feet. And last week, we talked about what those were. We talked about that the best robe was the robe of the Father. It was a robe of righteousness that was placed upon this boy to cover what he had done in his past. The ring was a a sign of authority that now he had everything that the father had and the shoes were a sign of power that he now had power to tread upon serpents and upon scorpion and any deadly thing that would come against him. And so we talked about all that this last week. Now this week, would you take your Bible or whatever you've got the Word of God on, would you look in the 23rd and the 24th uh, verses of Luke the 15th chapter? Now here's what dad said, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and, come on, what's that word? Celebrate. I just want to celebrate, right? And, and for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Now see, I, I just think that we need to learn how to celebrate. We, 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 need, to, we need to understand that God is in the business of celebration, that He is in the business of receiving us back to Himself, and He celebrates when that happens. But as you, as you look at this story, I, I don't want to quickly jump forward in the story until I take a moment to show you a couple of things. I, I want to show you that this boy who had left home was not the same when he came back. L- let me say something to you. When you leave the Father's house, and you find yourself for a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years, however long it is, that you are away from the Father, when you come back, you're not the same. When he came back, this boy, there are some things that happened to him. First of all, his innocence was lost. He had been raised in a protected environment. He had been raised in a good Jewish home. He had been raised around the Torah and the things of God. But now that he has been gone all of this time, All of a sudden, his innocence is lost. I want to tell you something about the world. The world will steal your innocence. The world wants you to be jaded just like it is. The the world doesn't want you to have a sense of wonder and awe and and innocence. The world wants you to be just like they are. The second thing that that we find is, is that his body was wasted. I mean, he came back, he, he had been, been famished for so long, almost to the point of starving to death, that his body is even different. Listen, I want to tell you something. When, when we live our lives outside the kingdom of God, and we involve ourselves in things that God has, has not wanted us to be involved in, it doesn't just affect us spiritually, it also affects our bodies. You don't have to like what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. If, if you involve yourself in certain activities and certain things, well, when, when you, you can come back home to the Father, but, but your body has paid a price. Your, your body's gone through some things. So this boy comes in, and he looks emaciated. Uh, he looks in, in serious trouble when he gets home. And, and the last thing was about him is that his mind was different. His mind was changed from what it used to be. All of a sudden, he, he was having to deal with things that he didn't have to deal with before. Let me explain it this way. Every time you open your life to a certain type of sin, it changes you. And here's what happens. 
You may shut the door, but it will take you the rest of your life to keep it closed. Because when we open, boy, it's, is it that tough? When we open ourselves to a certain aspect of sin, it changes us. It changes who we are. It changes how we think and how we operate in life. And so he, he comes back, and he, he begins to repent. And, and all that repentance is is passing from the death of sin to life in righteousness. It's saying, I don't want to live in sin any longer. In fact, remember last week I told you that the only thing that the son had when he got home was he had a confession. That's all he had. He didn't have any money. He, his clothes were gone. His body was wasted. Everything about him was gone. The only thing that he had was a confession. And that confession was what? Father, I have sinned. But you know what? That's all God wants. God doesn't want us to come to him with a bunch of things. The only thing that we have to do is come to him with a confession. And the Bible lets us know that as he confessed, all he had was a confession. But guess what? All he needed, the Father had. So all we've got to do to receive everything that we need in our life is we have got to just make a confession. Lord, I've sinned. I've broken your commandment. And I'm not just talking to people who aren't in relationship with God. I'm talking to all of us. All of us. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and so, but we have to get into a place of righteousness. Now, let me tell you what righteousness is. We, we, we give different terms. Righteousness is right standing with God or, you know, being just right. Here, here's what the true definition of righteousness is. Righteousness is the state of moral perfection. Did you see that? Righteousness is the state of moral perfection. Now, I don't know about you, that makes me nervous. Because I got, I got a couple of things that I'm not perfect in yet. Huh. Don't ask my wife. She's got a longer list than that. Come on. Aren't, aren't there some things in, in, in your, when you look at this in, in morality, you go, man, I, per, perfect? That's what righteousness means, perfect state of moral perfection. But when you begin to read the Bible, what you find is, is that in biblical usage, righteousness is rooted in the covenants of God and in relationship. See, covenant uh, is about what God has already established with us, and, and when, when you begin to understand that, you begin to live in a different way, and it comes all out of relationship. See, here, here's what we have to understand. The Bible talks about the grace of God over and over again. And what we don't understand is that the grace of God simply is the favor of God. It just means God is having favor on you. Now, let me help all of you. God's grace has appeared, the Bible says, to all people. Everybody has the grace of God. But, but it's in the grace of God when I find favor is then when I'm able to experience the mercy of God. See, I can't get the mercy of God without getting the favor of God first. Don't miss that. See, I've, I've got to come in to the favor of God. In fact, let me, let me just explain it this way. Uh, how many of you in this room, how many of you watching today, how many of you have ever gotten a speeding ticket? Would you just hold your hand up? And don't lie in church. Come on. All right. This week. No, I'm kidding. Uh, a, a while back, it's, it's been a little while, a while back, I got a speeding ticket. And, uh, and I, I was going down the road and trying to loosen my load. And, and uh, anyway, I, 
come on, I just had an eagle's flashback right there. And, and, uh, and, and I, was, I, was, I was going too fast. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and there's a state trooper in my rearview mirror with the lights going. And I said, hallelujah, praise God, and just broke out in worship. <laughs> if you believe that, I got another thing to talk to you about. <laughs> Don't be so gullible, all right? And, and uh, pull me over, he came up, and, and, and his first word were to me, what are you in such a hurry for, son? And I had all kind of things in my brain. I'm a preacher, I'm, you know. But none of them were really the truth. So I said, man, I, just, I was just going. I don't, I don't have anything to do. I was moving. I was, you know, I was doing 70-something in a 55. I, was, I had to get somewhere. License, registration, you know, appear in court on such and such a day. So I, I go to the courthouse. Have you ever been to traffic court? Come on, how many of you have ever been? There's some interesting people at traffic court. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that, but they're interesting. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I get there, and I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and, and all of a sudden, hear ye, hear ye, you know, stand, you know, and everybody stands. And as the judge starts walking in, I start smiling. Because I knew him. I went to school with him. We were good friends. So I'm going, well, all right. And so they start reading you know, all the people, and he's guilty, guilty, you know, pay 125, 150, 300, you know, whatever the price was. And felt like the price is right that morning. Anyway, and, uh, and so all of a sudden, my name is read. And when my name is read, the judge smiles, and I got nervous because <laughs> I was trying to remember how did we leave things. <laughs> so the state trooper standing there, and he asked the trooper, he calls me up, and he says, hey, Eddie, how you doing? And I, I, I didn't have a whole lot to say at that moment, which is unusual for me. And and I said, I'm okay. And he asked State Trooper, and State Trooper goes through all the stuff I had done. You know, I was going to, I was in it. And the judge kind of looked at all that, and he said, uh, I'm going to find you not guilty. And I had a praise break right then. <laughs> I mean, it was just, just right then. It's like, all right. And I looked at the State Trooper, and he was not happy. Because the state trooper had done what he was supposed to have done, and that is he had caught me doing 70 plus in a 55, and what he said was right. But there was a higher authority who said, I find him not guilty. See, our problem so often in life is, is that we know we are guilty and we have a tendency to listen to the voices of those who are accusing us. But God has ruled in our favor. God has said, not guilty. So now I've got a choice to make. Do I listen to what I know that I did? I mean, how foolish would I have been to have walked out of that room, walk down to the court clerk, and say, I want to pay that fine? Right, you, you'd think I was crazy, wouldn't you? 
I would think I was crazy. Why would I? I just got told I was not guilty. Why would I walk down here and pay that $150 fine? I have been, been forgiven. I am not guilty. My record is clean. Why am I going to allow somebody else to put me under their guilt and under their bondage to do what they tell me to do when the judge has said not guilty? See, that's what righteousness is. Righteousness is not what I've done. Remember, it was the father's robe that was put around this boy. It is not my robe of righteousness. It's God's robe of righteousness that is wrapped around me. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, God looks at me and he says, not guilty. You can say what you want to. But I choose not to listen to you. I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to be smart aleck, but your opinion really doesn't matter because the only opinion that matters is God Almighty and what he says about me and what he says about you, and that is through the blood of Jesus, you're clean. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him, speaking of Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. This boy who was a sinner, who had messed up, who had lost everything, when he came back home to the father, the father took his robe, the best robe, and wrapped him in it. And from that point on, he is covered in his father's righteousness. You know what I've done. I know what I've done. But my father chooses to take my sins and place them as far as the east is from the west, never to remember them against me anymore. That's righteousness. You say, well, how do I get righteousness? Well, you know, it requires faith. Uh, it, it requires us moving into the place where God wants us to be. But, but here's, here's what we need to understand because today's about celebration. Celebration happens when you have right standing with God. See, here's, here's, here's what the scripture says. It says the thief, John 10, 10, the thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. In your life, there is an accuser. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the people of God. And the, the word of God lets us know that he is accusing us before God all the time. He's saying, did you see what they did? Did you see that? Did you see that? Look what they did over here. Look at that. They didn't, they didn't think right. They didn't act right. They didn't do right. They, they stole this. They, they cheated on that. They, and, and he is constantly accusing us. And we've got a choice to make. Do we listen to the voice of the accuser or do we listen to the almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who says that we are forgiven and we are clean and we are pure? It's our choice. See, righteousness comes into our life through faith. It's, it's not by what you've done. I, I, have, have you ever been around Christians who thought they were good? No, you know what I mean? Kind of like, I'm holy. You're a pain. I'm, I'm, you just, you know, you ought to be around me. No, 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 wait a minute. Righteousness is through faith. In this story that we've been sharing over the past few weeks, the son had to believe what the father said, and that is, you're welcomed home, and you are my child again. In fact, he said, this my son who was dead is now alive again. So righteousness is through faith. Secondly, righteousness is through the blood. 
And the, the story here, it's through the animal sacrifice. It's through the animal that's being given and the party and the celebration that's going to take place. But in our life, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. The, the perfect Lamb of God. The Bible says there was a Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. Jesus Christ, in the mind of God, Jesus Christ was already slain before sin ever entered in. You say, I, I don't understand that. I don't either. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's where faith comes in. See, it's, it's your choice today. L- listen, you, you, you may be sitting here today and going, you know what? That, that's all a bunch of baloney and that's all this. L- listen, w- bear with me for a minute. If you're right and I'm wrong, all that it's done is made me to live a better life. But if I'm right and you're wrong, there's coming a day that you will have to give an account for what you've heard. So in our lives, we have to come to that place where we do accept the righteousness of God through faith. The last thing about righteousness is righteousness is a gift. This boy got the Father's gift of the coat, the robe of righteousness. You and I can receive the Father's gift through the robes of righteousness. And, and so as we see that, the Bible says, he says, get the fatted calf, get, you know, let's, let's party, let's celebrate, let's get there. And, and the scripture says, and I'm not going to spend time with this much, uh, but the scripture says, and the elder brother showed up. What's all this going on? This is, the, this is my brother who's been out with prostitutes and he's been out doing all this. And, and what, what's, what's this about? You've never given me a party, Father. You've never taken time to do this for me. Well, let, me let me tell you something. Hear me carefully. I, I want to move through this quickly, but th- there's just a word I want to give about the elder brother. You can be at home but not be in fellowship with the Father. You can show up at church every time the doors are open and not experience fellowship with the Father. And understand this, the blessings come out of fellowship. So it's your, you, you can have the elder brother attitude, well, nobody's ever given me anything. And you know what the father said? Everything is yours. And it has been the whole time you've been at home. Now, how do we come to that place day in and day out of living out this thing call righteousness we we have to understand that the favor of God the grace of God gives us the ability to enter into a relationship with God but once we enter into a relationship with God then you and I have to begin to live an overcoming life in Jesus Christ So take your Bibles, go to the book of Romans, the sixth chapter, would you? Romans chapter six, and uh, let's let's just look here real quick. Romans chapter six, verse 12. We'll start there. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. I hope you'll go home and read this and just take a few moments with this this afternoon. All right? For sin, verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. And the Apostle Paul lays out here how that you and I, once we come in a relationship with God, 
once we enter into the Father's house again, guess what? When you get into Papa's house, there are certain things he wants you to do. How many of you in your home have some guidelines? Come on, hold your hand up. I want to see whose hand's not up because I just want to observe. I don't want to come stay. I just want to stand out in the yard with a telescope and see what's happening. I mean, there's guidelines for every house. You know, some, some houses you walk into. We were in Korea recently, and, and we walked into a church, and, and they asked us to take our shoes off. I preached without my shoes. I'm not used to preaching with my shoes off, but I honored the house. You know, we walked into a restaurant. They asked me to take my shoes. It's it, different, different thing, different, different culture, different things that you do. And so every, every house has its requirements. Every house has those things that you're asked to do and you're, you're called to do. In the kingdom of God, once we come in a relationship with the Father, then there are some things that you and I have to do, and, and the book of Romans there lays it out. Uh, but I want to give you three things here as we kind of wrap this up today, okay? Number one is this. Make a conscious effort or a conscious choice not to sin now let me help you you do not have to schedule sin right come on I mean you, you don't have to put it if you keep a day planner or you you know you on your iPad you know on your notes of things to do today you don't, you know, you don't have to list, you know, uh, I have an appointment with so-and-so and I got a doctor's deal. And, this. and, and then, you, you know, number four here, uh, schedule time to sin. <laughs> you, do you need to do that? Come on. You, you, <laughs> we don't do that. Why? Guess what? We just show up and it happens. Just, just driving down the road and it happens. Just, just interacting with coworkers, and it happened. I mean, in, in those moments. But, but what we have to do as believers is we have to make a conscious choice not to sin. I've got, I've got to start my day saying, today I'm going to live for God. Today I choose to walk in righteousness before God. Today I choose to fulfill what God's Word says that I need to do. See, it's a conscious choice that I make. The second thing is I have to recognize the territory of battle. Now, now please, let me say this to you. I understand about spiritual warfare and the heavenlies, and I understand strongholds and all those things. But the Word of God also talks about pulling down strongholds, and it talks about your imagination. Let me tell you where sin happens. The battle for sin is not a cosmic battle. That's between God and the Creator who has created all things and Satan who is the destroyer. The battle for sin in a believer is right here. The territory is your mind. It's what you're thinking of. It's the, the Word of God says, think on those things which are pure, those things which are holy, those things which are... Th think on those things. See, sin... So you, you don't just wake up in sin. I mean, I, 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 there's never been a sin that I've committed. I went, wow, I didn't know I was doing that. I mean, I, I was just lying. I didn't know I was lying. You lie. <laughs> right? I, you know, I, I stole something. I didn't know I was stealing. You stole and lied. Well, I committed adultery. I didn't know I was committing adultery. You committed adultery, you stole, and you lied. 
I mean, you, what? it all begins up here. It's the territory that's the issue. The Bible says to take captive every thought. See, there, there are things that we allow in our brain that brings about destruction. We, we allow certain thoughts and we start thinking, of, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that would be fine. We don't tell anybody, but we just, yeah, man, I'd, I'd like that. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I mean, you know, come on, you, you, you got all those things going in your brain? I mean, you ever been around drunk people? Drunk people are the most religious people in the world. They'll preach, they'll cry, they'll get saved, they'll... You know they will. You get around a bunch of drunks, start talking about Jesus. They'll ever one of them will get saved. Now, they'll forget in the morning, but they'll get saved right then. All right? It, it's, this brain, it's, it's right here where the battle is. The, the third thing, let me do this. The third thing is, and here's what you've got to understand. How, how many of you remember a, a comedian back in the day named Flip Wilson? Y'all as old as I am. Uh, these young people don't have a clue who Flip Wilson was. Flip Wilson had a catchphrase, and here was the catchphrase. The devil made me do it. Remember? The devil made me do it. Not if you're a believer. Not if you are a believer. See, here's the third thing. Know that as a believer, you have a choice. Pastor, the devil. No, no, no. If you are a believer, the devil did not make you do it. Now, if you are not a believer today, the devil still works in your life, and he has certain aspects of control of your life. But if you are a Christian, the Word of God says that the devil is underneath your feet. No longer is the devil your master. You have a choice to make. And you've heard me say it before, but I'm going to repeat it. Where you are today in life is because of the choices you have made. At some point, listen, if you're 12 and you're blaming your parents, we might understand. If you're 40, at some point, you've got to make a choice. At some point, you've got to be willing to say, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and who gave himself for me. And you begin to live that overcoming, power-filled life. When you look at this story, what you find, you find a father who is so excited for his son to come home that he throws the biggest party that you can imagine. Why? Remember I quoted John 10, 10 a while ago, but I just only quoted part of it. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to kill to steal and destroy. But, Jesus said, I am come that you would have life and it more abundantly. What Jesus said is, I just want to celebrate another day of living. And he wants you to celebrate every day because of what he has done in your life. And what he has done on a cross 2,000 years ago to give you this abundant life. Amen? Would you bow your heads today? Those of you who are here today and 
you've listened to me and you've heard what I've talked about. But if you were to take just a moment and get completely honest with yourself, you would have to say, you know what? In my life, if God and I were to sit down together, just friend to friend, there really wouldn't be much we'd have to talk about because I'm not in relationship with Him. I'm not in that place that I need to be. And so here's the great news. Just as this son only had a confession, but his father had everything that he needed, all that you've got to have today is a willing heart to say, Lord, I need you to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if you will confess your sin that God is just and faithful to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, that means he will make you righteous. And so if you're here today and you just say, you know what? I need Jesus in my life today today, and I need to be forgiven of my sins. Would you just hold your hand up anywhere in this room? Several of you right here. God bless you on the left side, on the right, several more. Just hold it there just for a minute till I see it. Back over here on my far right. Some hands. Right down here. Way over here on my far left, the ground floor, several of you. God bless you. Up in the risers on my left. Thank you. The middle risers. God bless you today. Way back up in the top there. Right down here. Thank you, sir. Just another moment. Right back here in the left. Toward the back there. Thank you. put your hands down everybody look up here real quickly we're going to pray together now let me say this to you to those of you who are in relationship with God I challenge you celebrate don't walk around depressed and looking like you've lost your last friend you haven't you got a friend in Jesus the Bible says he'll stick closer than a brother He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will go with you till the end of the age, the Bible says. So he's your friend. If everybody else walks away, Jesus never leaves you. So you don't even have to pray that prayer anymore. God, go with me today. He's there. He said, I'm with you. Don't have to ask me. I'm there. But live life that way. But those of you who need to be saved today, here's what you need to do. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe it with your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you'll be saved. The Apostle Peter used this term. He said, repent, which is a change of mind and a change of heart, a change of direction. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, for the promise is to you, to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we're going to pray. I tell you this all the time, if you're here very much, my prayer doesn't save you. I can't confess for you. You have to do that. But if you will do that today, if you'll just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. He'll wrap his robe of righteousness around you today. And you'll be back home with the Father. Can we pray together? Lord, I thank you today for so many hands that were lifted of people who said, I need Jesus. I want to come in a relationship. I want to be back in that place where I need to be with him. So we pray over them right now. God, we just thank you for 
Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Lord, although we can't mathematically or scientifically explain it, through faith we believe. Through faith we know that we can be forgiven of our sins if we confess you as our Lord today. And so we come right now with our faith and we just say, Lord, forgive us today. Take away our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Purify our hearts, O God. Jesus, we thank you that you loved us more than we'll ever understand, that you would come and die for us. Thank you for that today. And we receive forgiveness of all of our sins so that we can walk in the fullness that God has for us. From this day forward, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, come on, let's celebrate people coming back to the Father.